0: Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Jude Anubi and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks.
1: Back again. First time long time. I'll keep my podcast alongside Brian Perkins. six 180. I'm Jude Anubi. Seahawks all the bye as they go into what is relatively their second half of the season. It's going to be a long second half of the season. But they're generally a pretty good second half team. So a lot of reason to uh, be excited as they are 3-2. and two, But still a half game behind the Rams for first place in the NFC West. A team that they had beaten two weeks prior. Now they've gotten two weeks off and are going to the East Coast to face the New York Giants. Brian Perkins, it's been a while since we've done one of these. I was uh, gone in New York, actually, ironically. Uh, for a wedding while the uh, Rams were playing the Seahawks. Got to monitor it on my phone, but it's a much different story when you're looking at the play-by-play script as it's unloading at the wedding reception as opposed to watching Earl Thomas make those plays and Sheldon Richardson make those plays and Jimmy Graham get in the end zone for a touchdown and the Seahawks get a road win at the LA Rams for the first time since 2013, if you can believe it. And in a, uh,
0: that was such a strange game too because I thought it was going to be this high-scoring shootout like crazy thing. And, of course, it wasn't. It was the most Seahawks-Rams game ever. Rams were
1: averaging 30 points a (laughs) game, 35 points a game. And you're right. I mean, new coaching staff, though, right? With McVay coming in, this surge of offense. I was interested, same as you, to see if the dynamic of a Seahawks-Rams rivalry would take a different form given the offensive capability of the Rams. But really not so. Nope. It was just the the Seahawks and Rams all of 2017. (laughs) So, you know, that's that's kind
0: of the funny thing about it. And, you know, it was just funny because you look at statistically – The Rams' defense was really bad going into that game, so you're like, "Man, finally Seattle's going to be able to cut loose and get down the field with ease." Uh, Yeah, I was pretty wrong about that. Yeah, Um, you know, but like you said, second half of the season, though, this is more. We we've talked about this before. How the season is like really like three seasons before you even get to the postseason, right?
1: Agreed, completely.
0: And this is phase one has ended, and it was terrible from a offensive perspective. I know they're they're above 500 and they're fine. They're not out of the playoffs, but like from an expectation standpoint, I think that you're going, oh, they're not good enough to win in the postseason right now. Now's phase two, what?
1: What? where you want I don't, I don't know yet. to make a Super Bowl run in the postseason. Sure, maybe, but I, I guess I wasn't. it wasn't too below my expectations for the offense. Now phase, I, I'm just the optimist. You know, that's, I am. <laughs> that's always been the case. Now you have phase two, where
0: this team probably isn't going to hit their stride yet, right? Because the Seahawks have traditionally always been better in the latter half, final four or five games of the regular season. But this is where you want to start to see the offense turn around a little bit. Yeah. Now, with injuries, you don't know if that's going to happen. But, uh, you know, this is kind of the point now where you go, okay, now's the time to turn on the the Jets here and, and uh, you know, really start to progress forward.
1: So the Seahawks, um, in that victory over the Rams, they got down 10 nothing pretty early. And the Rams were moving the football on them early. But uh, you have one of the greatest Earl Thomas plays, you know. I love watching them make these type of plays. At the goal line, Gurley. Uh he did it a couple years ago. Yeah, did it to David Johnson. Yep, uh, on that uh, Sunday night game down in Arizona. Cam that Chancellor six, did it six game. Yeah, Cam Hashtag Chancellor Batgate. So it's uh, well, that was a little bit different. The Calvin Johnson play you're referring <laughs> yes, to. Yeah, yeah. That was a little bit different. But I love E.T. making these plays, and he's responsible for two of the four uh, defensive turnovers forced by the Seahawks in that game. Looks like Earl's in fine form, which is really great to see, given the lack of health both Earl and Cam have had in the last two years.
0: Earl Thomas looks like a defensive MVP this year. Like yeah. He looks like defensive player of the year with how well he's playing. I mean, he's, you know, last year, even before the injury, didn't he seem sometimes like he was out of position on a few run plays? Like he wasn't For always, sure. like he wasn't playing bad, bad, but he just, there were some very uncharacteristic plays. There were
1: holes in his game we weren't used to seeing. Yes.
0: And yeah. this year it really seems to have shorn that up. And I don't know if the injury was a blessing in disguise from that standpoint where it gave him time to reflect And to come back re energized because he actually got some time off to let his body and mind rest, Mm -hmm. you know, during the season last year. Um, But you're certainly seeing a renewed 20- 12 version of Earl Thomas right now, and it's great.
1: On the defensive line, though, you know, banged up injuries to Michael Bennett in that Rams game, and Cliff Averill's injury that he suffered back in the Colts game was got very serious in a hurry. A neck injury, it might require surgery. He has yet to make a decision on that. Now all of a sudden questions about whether or not he can play football again and how retirement factors into that. The latest stuff that I've read is that Cliff is not going to retire. He is going to come back. But the Seahawks are putting him on IR, which means out for at least six weeks. And if he gets surgery, that's the end of the season for him. How big of a blow is that for that D-line?
0: Yeah, it feels like it, doesn't it? And and the D-line going into the season, they, they haven't been bad. Mm-hmm. But the expectation was they were going to be all world good, right? Like they were the best defensive line in the NFL. Cliff Averill, Sheldon Richardson, and Michael Bennett alone, I think, give you that element of, of that thought process. And then you see kind of, you know, Michael Bennett's been banged up. You know, maybe they haven't quite been getting – and it's hard to say because Richardson played so well in the, the game against the Rams with the fumble recovery, and he mm-hmm. made some really big plays as well. Um, I believe he was the one that had to hit yeah. to force the interception. So, like, he 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 was very disruptive later in that game. And that was kind of a strange game, though, because early on – and I know you were at the wedding – it was very frustrating because they weren't getting to – to um goff. To golf at all. You know, it was – you know, Gurley was finding holes. He was running for three to five yards. You know, they weren't really getting a lot of line of scrimmage stops. And Goff had all the time in the world, and that was continuing through the first half. And then in the third quarter, and you were like, God, when are these guys going to break through? You know, it it, it kind of felt like it was going to happen, but when was the dam going to burst? And these guys were going to, you know, find their opportunities. Obviously, it happened. But now you wonder, you know, what does that offensive defensive line look like, you know, moving forward without Cliff Averill? That's tough. We remember the Super Bowl. Couple years ago, yeah, that changed no, everything. I mean, it really did. It changed the dynamic of that game. He so. had a
1: concussion, I think, in the third quarter, and then the Pats started moving the football, and ultimately came back from a ten-point deficit in the fourth quarter. Now
0: they have more depth than they did then. Yeah, uh, and that, Frank on Clark.
1: Frank Clark played a little bit better, um, and uh, you know there will be some other key pieces to step up. Um, what was the name of this guy? Brandon Jackson. You know he was a he was a practice squad guy. He gets promoted, starts playing uh, on the on the uh, fifty-three man with the injury to. April pro football focus had him as having played on nine pass rush attempts. Um, well, rushing the passer nine times against the Rams, and he forced four quarterback hurries out of those nine pass rushes that he had, <laughs> which is, strictly speaking at the raw numbers, the most productive defensive lineman in football two weeks ago. So Brandon Jackson, maybe that's a role player that you can see surging and, and filling up that cliff, Averill void. Most notably, I think, Frank Clark. You also look at uh, Quentin Richardson, um, or what's his, what's his face? Uh, Quentin Jefferson. I <laughs> Quentin Jefferson, the fifth-round draft pick. He hasn't played the last couple of weeks because he broke his hand in practice, but it looks like he's going to come back, him and Nas Jones on the inside. Hopefully they can provide a little bit more pressure on the interior. And, of course, Michael Bennett's been dealing with plantar fasciitis that he suffered in the Rams game, but it was a good timing of a bye week for him, so he can rest up a little bit more. He was a full participant this past Thursday, too. Looks like he'll be ready to go to take on a giant squad that surprising win over the Denver Broncos last week. Here are some stats so far on the Seahawks through the first uh, five games of their season or through six weeks of the NFL season. Just offensively, they're like so average. It's incredible. 16th in yards a game, 16th in pass yards a game, 15th in rush yards a game, 16th in points a game. Defense, 15th in yards per game. That's average. You know, ninth in pass per game, but 27th rush defense in the league. Can you believe that? And it's what it's
0: been is, like, three explosive plays that have defined their rush defense so far this year. Because, yeah. I mean, you take out, like, the the two big runs.
1: The big Murray run and the big uh, Carlos Hyde run. The big
0: Carlos Hyde run. Then there was another one that was a little bit shorter, but it was still, like, 20 yards. Mm-hmm. Like, you take out those three runs, and they probably move up 10 spots. Maybe. So, go figure.
1: They are sixth in the league in points per game which, uh, you know, you parlay that with what they're allowing yardage-wise. Hashtag ben don't break. Well, how about that? They're really good in the red zone this year. In fact, I saw this from Brady Henderson. Seahawks allowing touchdowns on just 23% of opponent red zone drives. 23%. That is the best percentage if any NFL defense. The next best is Buffalo at 33%. But how about that? They're allowing uh, points, one and a half points per opponent Drive, which is fifth best in the NFL, it is. Ben, don't break. So and it's plays like Earl Thomas in
0: fantasy football. This is this is what you need to do: is whoever do the, the Seahawks are playing, <laughs> pick
1: that team's kicker. That's a great call, actually, by you. <laughs> He's gonna have like 15 points. <laughs> Hashtag analysis. Uh, I, I saw this again in terms of uh, Seattle explosive plays. They always talk about explosive plays, and Bob Condota had this note with the Seahawks defining explosive plays as being. Pass plays of 20 or more yards down the field. Rush plays of 12 or more yards down the field. Right now, they've allowed 30 such explosive games in their first five games. That's allowing six per game, which is a lot. That number jumped out at me. But it's less than what they averaged last year. They averaged over six a game last year. They averaged about five per game in 2013. 4.75 per game in 2014. Those were the peak Pete Carroll defensive years. And uh, 2015, they were allowing over 5.5 explosive plays per game. But they got to get that number down a lot, especially when you're trying to, you know, with an offense that isn't exactly producing many explosive plays as they've been accustomed to in the past. So that's one thing I'm personally seeing moving forward for the Seahawks. Can they limit the opponent's offensive explosive plays?
0: Well, hopefully this week they have a chance to do that. Well, you know,
1: personnel-wise, it would suggest, <laughs> right, the Giants down, their top three receivers. Yeah. And Orleans Darkwa, they're starting running back, even though he had 127 yards against the Broncos, which was the best run defense in football until Sunday night. Darkwa with that Giants offensive line. I don't understand the NFL this year at all. <laughs> Anytime you think you have a narrative or a team pinned or identified, it just goes the opposite way. And I know yeah. last week was crazy, like almost all the underdogs covered, almost Everything it was amazing. I had the Falcons in my Eliminator. They were up seventeen nothing at home at halftime off a bye to Miami, and they lost the game. Smoking Jay, incredible. Well, it started sound like Seinfeld. I'm like, <laughs> it's incredible. They lost the game. <laughs> you know, Broncos lose at home coming off a bye to the Giants without three receivers. What's happening in the NFL, man? I don't want to.
0: I, first of all, don't misunderstand this. I am not happy that Aaron Rodgers is injured. It's bad for the NFL. I feel bad for him personally and bad for Packers fans because that sucks. It's horrible. It's horrible. Last weekend, a lot of things happened that lined up Seattle's way. The injury, Falcons losing. You saw a lot of teams in the NFC that were, you know, honestly. Big picture if NFC, the Rams, yeah. If the Rams would have lost, that would have helped add to that a little bit. But th- that being said, you know, they, they win a game against an AFC team. So. In the end, it's really the the least important win you could possibly have, if that makes any sense. But you look at the way these teams lost, and now Aaron Rodgers is probably out for the year. And even if he isn't, even if he could get back for the playoffs, are they even going to make the playoffs? Right. You, when you look at their schedule, like look at their next eight games and tell me what games they win. Well, it's all dependent
1: you know? on how good Brett Hundley is. He's really an unknown guy at this point.
0: Yeah. Um. So... You know, and that's you know, that, that really does. Minnesota suck, but. with the
1: quarterback situation they've got going on, Dallas with the regression they've had this year and yeah. the unknown around like Zeke. the
0: Eagles are like the best team in the uh, NFC right now. Yeah, like yeah. but NFC- do you trust
1: Doug Peterson? I mean, that defense yeah. is for real. Banged up, but for real in Philly.
0: Yeah, and so I guess my point being though, with with Rogers going down, which sucks, it feels like the NFC is really open right now. Like it feels like there's just a lot of teams that are good. Or like, real or like, pretty good or like, really good. But there's not like a a dominant team, a great team where yeah. you go, man, that team is for sure getting home field advantage. They're for sure gonna make the Super Bowl, or at the very least, you know, I would give them the best odds. It feels pretty open, which bodes well for the Seahawks and and gives them some flexibility and time to turn things around here a little bit.
1: That it does. You know? What do you make of the NFC West so far, given the Rams' unexpected beginning? That's that's not a. You know, insignificant win that they had at Jacksonville last week. I agree. Jacksonville's a good football team, and the Rams went in there, got a huge win when they needed it. The defense, obviously, against a bad quarterback, but the defense played pretty well. Um, And now they lead the NFC West by a half game over the Seahawks. Of course, the Seahawks, I think, got to feel pretty good, given the fact that they got the road win already over L.A., and, you know, they have their bye week out of the way. The Rams have yet to get to their bye And a Cardinals team that now, did they find something in Adrian Peterson? I mean, or is that just, you know. Was that
0: one game, he's angry, wants to prove something, Adrian Peterson.
1: I totally agree with that. I think the 49ers are a lot better than 0-6, given they've lost their last five games by three points or fewer. That's never happened before in the history of football. I think Kyle Shanahan has that team on the right direction, too. This whole division is very competitive.
0: I agree. It's very strange. Um, it's the Niners have lost by how many points? Like 13 in the six games or yeah, something? It's, it's crazy. Yeah. All their games have been close, and, you know, Bethard maybe is actually got you know, maybe the guy. I don't know. You know, it's one game, whatever. Uh, but, yeah, it's it's been a very – it's a very strange, you know, division. I still feel like the jury's out on all all. Th- – I'm going to just – the Niners are 0-6, so they're done. But all the other three teams, I don't know what to say. Like, I don't think the Cardinals are very good. I – don't I think the Rams are good, but how good I don't, are they? Ten wins? Are they eleven wins? Are they eight wins? Which mm-hmm. is still an improvement from last season, you know? I don't know. And then the Seahawks are they? How good are they? You know? Are they a, a nine-win team? Are they a twelve-win team? I mean, it's it's almost hard to tell at this point.
1: Yeah, Seahawks. After this game at the New York Giants, they return home for two in a row with Deshaun Watson and the Texans, and then Kirk Cousins and the Redskins. That'll be a fun little uh, two-game homestand for the Seahawks to try to get right. And then two weeks after that, they'll get the Falcons uh, back in CenturyLink Field. So a lot to look forward to with the Seahawks in the second half of the season. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, banged up a little bit in the backfield with uh, CJ Size hasn't been playing with an ankle injury. J.D. McKissick's filled in pretty admirably. Obviously had the two touchdowns against Indy and I think three catches for a handful of yards against the Rams. He's shown to be a legitimate weapon what would you make of Jimmy Graham actually finding the end zone on a nice fundamental four-yard jump ball? It was beautiful, wasn't it? It was. It was just your your classic NBA post move. Yeah. Uh,
0: it was nice. It was nice to see them target him. Um, you know, it was kind of the the shining beacon in a pretty bad offensive day. A very frustrating day. Um, one of the more frustrating days, and I've been, like, mad a lot at the offense. Yeah. Like, that day in particular was more frustrating than most. Um, knowing how, how bad statistically the Rams' defense had been, and how many times the offense were, were in positions to capitalize and score and put that GD game away? Couldn't do it, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. so that was really frustrating. Yeah. Um. But you know, that being said, I uh, you know, it was nice to see Jimmy Graham get some more targets, and hopefully that can continue because you know they're paying the guy a lot of money, and he's their biggest weapon. Uh, from us from a height standpoint, so in the red zone, it seems natural that they should target him. One other thing I noticed in that game was. Jimmy was not uh, in as much on the offensive line as he has been in the past. He was split out wide multiple times in that game, much more often than he was uh, any other point in his time in Seattle. So maybe they're finally giving into the fact that Jimmy is better split out
1: wide. Well, as a receiver, undoubtedly. But the problem is that's a bold move by Seattle because even Jimmy, even though he's not good at isolated pass protection, chipping is a whole – I mean, that's a fundamental part of a tight ends game in the Seattle offense and really in any offense mm-hmm. is getting that first chip on a pass rusher to slow them down and give your tackles a chance. The fact that they can isolate them out and split out wide to to put that kind of faith in your tackles when the Seattle tackles are pretty, you know, they struggle against that pass rush. Uh, that's a vote of confidence. That's, that's nice to see. Speaking of the offensive line, injury to Luke Jokel. Looks like he's going to be out for this game against the New York Giants. Is it going to be uh, Mark Lewinsky or Ethan Posich? Uh, po- Posich. Um, we'll learn to pronounce his name pick. when he actually takes the field. How we'll, about that? We'll fi- we'll figure it out at some <laughs> point. Um, you know, if he doesn't play and, and uh, Lewinsky ends up getting the start, I'll be I'll have my eyebrows raised a little bit because, you know, Posich, come on now, second-round pick. You got to make it happen. Give him a shot and if he's good enough he needs to stay there. In my opinion, that's the pedigree of a second round pick. You should be able to start at left guard when called upon. Well, and it's not like you, Glowinski was playing well when he He was playing poorly. Yes, I mean, Abushi's there now. Very
0: poorly. Yeah. I mean, he was he was arguably the weakest link on that line. Yeah. You know. That's and saying something. Yeah, it is. And so you're right. I mean, that's the point, right? Is it's not like Glowinski was also an unknown commodity and you're like, "Well, he hasn't played much and He's shown some signs, so maybe they'll put him in. He has more experience. He's been in the system longer. Yeah. No, <laughs> he's not played well. So, you know, at some point, don't you, I mean, I don't know, take a flyer. I don't know. You're right. It's, it's pretty frustrating because, you know, Jokel was playing pretty well. And obviously Fant went down in preseason. So now you have your entire left side of the offensive line. Not, not that that's important. Uh, injured. So, you know, you have backups in both positions there now. So, it's tough.
1: Russell Wilson has already, to this point in the season, been hurried on 32% of his dropbacks. That is 5th highest rate in the NFL. He's held the football, on average, 2.8 seconds. 3rd longest rate in the NFL. He's also made 36 passes outside the pocket, which is tied for the most in the NFL. I just think that theme is going to have to continue, certainly this week props and props in weeks to come. Yeah, you know, Wilson is,
0: you know, it, it's really hard because how do, you, how do you even judge how well he's played because of the offensive line performance? You know, mm-hmm. how much, even when he has time, how much does hearing the footsteps affect him because he's heard them so many other times? Right. And we've clearly seen that. Now, he did settle down a little bit in that game, but, um, you know, he's obviously shown the Russell Wilson that we've all seen and come to know and love, and then at times he's missed some, some throws that leave you scratching your head. And early in that game... Um, He missed some throws high again, you know, that that kind of left you going, you know, what's going on, you know, a little yep. bit. So once again, you know, Russell Wilson in September is a lot different than Russell Wilson in November. So um, I think that, uh, you know, you just got to keep plugging away and I think he'll, you know, he'll turn it around.
1: If you're wondering if Seattle can add an offensive lineman anytime soon, they have 1.9 million remaining in cap room. Uh, Brandon Albert has reportedly been in town for, like, I don't know, a month. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Every time Condona tweets, it's like, oh, by the way, Brandon Albert is still around. Still around. From he's, what I know. He's hanging out at the Marriott. Um, And Albert is a nine-year veteran, which means his NFL minimum, the veteran's minimum, would be $900,000. Obviously, underneath the $1.9 And if you prorate that over the rest of the season, given the amount of games that have already been played... You know, it'd be even less than nine hundred thousand dollars, and maybe they can restructure somebody else to get it even more manageable than that. So I don't know why they haven't signed him already. It seemed like the bye week would be a nice time to do that and get a guy incorporated to the team, uh, but they haven't, and it would be really nice to add a piece there. Yeah, but again, they uh, they haven't done so yet. Um, by the way, what would you guess that Seattle is under Pete Carroll coming off a of bye week? Good coach, off a bye
0: week. Well, I know they're not undefeated because they lost to the Cardinals a couple of years ago. Yeah, off the, on that crazy, crazy game. Yeah, um, I'm gonna say he. So he's been in Seattle since what 2010, right? Mm-hmm. So that's six. And they weren't bi-weeks. as good
1: those first couple of years. <laughs> uh,
0: God, I would think four and two, four and three, four and three.
1: Okay, yeah, four and three. Wow, I'm bad with my uh, math. Well, no, it's weird because it's <laughs> 2017. and He came in 2010. So you yeah. think, oh, he's been there. Yeah. Here. yeah. Uh, but no, that's a total of seven years already so far. You think far. he'd be better? He, he, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. You know, four and three off a of bye. Pete Carroll with the Seahawks. I was like, oh, I thought he'd be more like in Belichick territory with, you know, coming like, off a of bye almost now. the unstoppable. He's yeah. three and two in the Russell Wilson era. You know, the two losses were 2012 at Miami. Remember that game? That horrible, tough, tough oh, game. Oh, I remember that game. The, uh, the um, putt return touchdown for. Uh, Focus. for Washington and then the Ryan Tannehill touchdown drive after that the Earl Thomas you know I have to really live that pass
0: roughing the passer roughing
1: the passer yeah love yes. that um and then of course the <laughs> loss that, to Arizona had that
0: pick Bobby Wagner mm-hmm. you had the pick right at the pick six, line or
1: whatever yeah. that's sweet yeah they won in 2013 versus New Orleans on Monday night. They won 2014 at Washington on Monday night, and they won last year. Was the Atlanta game was coming off the bye week, so yeah, um, crazy game. Crazy, gosh, they played some weird games off buys. Uh, as for the Giants, upset the Broncos, 148 rushing yards as a team. Did not see that one coming. Um, let's uh, let's talk this game. Let's quickly talk the rest of the Week Seven slate. Giants, first of all, probably nice that they got the first win under their belt, and they're one and five and not zero oh and six. So. They have not as much desperation.
0: I would agree with that. Now, the one wild card here in this would be that the play calling, the play caller has changed, right? Ben McAdoo is no longer calling plays. Good point. So you have one game to kind of assess a play caller, and I feel like that's, that's probably the biggest wild card, right? Is that, well, you're traveling back east, you're on the road. It is an afternoon game. But you also are dealing with a new play caller. So I think that that's kind of where your concern is. But, you know, this is one of those games where I think you expect Seattle to go in and take care of business. I mean, yep. you know, you have a team that's one and five. I don't care if there's a new play caller, I don't care how they looked last week on the road. This is a game you should win.
1: Yeah. Mike Sullivan is the new play caller for Ben McAdoo. All right. Let's start Bucks, Bills in Buffalo, Tampa Bay, two and three. Jameis Winston banged up. I'll take the Bills to beat them at home. Yep. Give me the Bills. Panthers, Bears. John Fox Bowl. Cam going on the road to Chicago. John Fox. Carolina favored by three. Bears play good defense. I'll take Chi- Ooh, No, I'll take the Panthers by field goal. Chicago's got good defense. Give D. me the Bears. They've got good defense. They moved to three and four. Yeah, that and they got an impressive win over Baltimore, who had a good defense last week. Titans and Browns in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Saints and <laughs> Packers in Lambeau. Saints are a four-point favorite here on the road. All of a sudden, Perkins, the Saints playing good defense, too. Three defensive touchdowns. Yeah, I think the Saints week. are
0: going to win this game. I Too much firepower.
1: Yeah, I'll take them over the Brent Hundleys. Jags, Colts, and Indy. I'll take Jacksonville. Need to take care of business on the road.
0: Yes, though. This Indy's, is a
1: trap-type game for Jacksonville, though, too.
0: And Indy's been a competitive team. Mm-hmm. You know, Brissett has played well. Not great, but he's played well. He's played better, I think, than at least I expected him to.
1: Same. Yeah, he's shown a lot of poise. Cardinals, Rams, in L.A. I actually like the Rams. I'll take them to win.
0: Yeah, give me the Rams.
1: Jets, Dolphins, in Miami. Miami a three-point favorite. I don't know how the hell they won in Atlanta last week. This is a classic game that the Dolphins would lose. I'll take the Jets. Uh, give me the Fins. Ravens and Vikings in Minnesota, the site of Super Bowl 51 already? Gosh, crazy.
0: <sighs> give me the uh, give me the uh, Ravens. I'll take many.
1: On the road. Cowboys Niners. First one of the season, 49ers calling it. Really? In San Francisco. Six-point underdogs. Give me the boys. What are they right now?
0: Two Two and three. three. Yeah.
1: They need to win this game. Give me the boys. Yep. Boys. I'll take the Niners. Bengals, Steelers in Pittsburgh. Steelers favored by five and a half coming off the upset win over Kansas City last week. I still think the Steelers have a lot of problems, but I'll take them to be Cincinnati.
0: Yeah, Cincinnati's just not very good.
1: Yeah. Chargers, Broncos right now in uh, Los Angeles. Broncos get right and win this game.
0: Well, you know, home field's big for the Chargers, but I think <laughs> the Broncos will find a way to
1: overcome that home field. Falcons, Pats, Sunday night football, Super Bowl rematch. I'll take New England there. Three point favorite. I'll take New England. Falcons offensively, head scratcher last week. What is Sark
0: doing? You know, what's interesting is uh, Julio Jones um, actually just stays in the hotel at games. Oh. He Uh-oh. doesn't even come out on the field. Yeah, I didn't. That's true. Maybe target your best weapon offensively. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Just think about it for a minute there, Sark. Give me the Falcons. <laughs> I don't think the Patriots are, are they're a very flawed team. Especially you talk about the Falcons being yeah. flawed. The Patriots have already lost two games at home this year.
1: Everyone is flawed too. Like I yeah. don't know who if anybody's actually good in the NFL right now. <laughs> I don't know if there's any Makes good. Makes you teams. feel better, right? As a Seahawks fan. It, it does. Everybody yeah. the field came back to you yeah. during the bye. The field absolutely came back to you. Give me the Falcons. Uh Redskins Eagles Monday night football. Eagles are five point favorite, coming off a nice Thursday night win in Carolina. While the Redskins struggled at home with the 49ers. I like Philly, man. I mean, they.
0: Philly fans are going to like that.
1: And if they win They're on Monday win. night, they'll be 6 and 1. Yep. They're going to win. Washington's no good. What is that Philly Seattle game, too? That's December 3rd on Sunday Night Football in Seattle. That's going to line up to be a good one. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be, be dope. Come on.
0: Both teams need to run the table
1: to get there. Until yeah. That game. yeah. Ooh. Finally going to watch SNF. SNF. All right. Seahawks-Giants, when it comes down to it, Seahawks about a a six-and-a-half-point favorite right now. Um, You know, I just don't know what kind of, I don't know what they'll look like out of the bye. I don't know if this is when, I don't know if the Giants are better or worse without Odell Beckham. (laughs) I don't really know anything (laughs) about either team. But I'll take the Seahawks to win 24-18. to Mm.
0: So they don't cover.
1: No, I think it's going to be close.
0: Well, I predicted the Ducks to beat Stanford last week, so take this with a grain Oof. of salt. Uh, give me, give me the Seahawks by ten.
1: Okay, Seahawks uh, by 10. twenty-seven seventeen. For Brian Perkins, I'm Jude Anubie. We'll see you back here on Monday to review it all as the Seahawks take on the Giants. Keep in mind, late afternoon kickoff in the Meadowlands, the site of the championship of twenty thirteen to fourteen, Super Bowl forty eight. Bruno Mars halftime show was awesome. <laughs> But the game was even better. All right, Seahawks, Giants. We'll see you next week, everybody.